Good morning. That was not good enough for the number of people in this room. I, this first service, when I said that, they all responded. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. That's a little bit better. Well, as you can see, I am not Randy Hahn. I am not the senior pastor here at the Heights. My name is Brad Atkinson. I am a member of the youth department here at the Heights. Today is Youth Sunday. That's why you got to hear the wonderful band that uh, is our youth band. Weren't they great? Weren't they great? Yeah. Yeah, we get to hear them uh, every Wednesday night. They play for us in the, up in the youth cafe, and they are absolutely wonderful. So we decided we'd give you guys a little taste of that today. Well, like I said, my name is Brad Atkinson. I am a member of the Heights. I have been for as long as I can remember. I go to Clover Hill High School, and I like to call that the real CHHS. Some of you guys in this area might think Colonial Heights High School is the real CHHS, but I am here to tell you otherwise, that is the other CHHS. Uh, yes, I am a little biased because I go to Clover Hill, but like I said, it is the real one. Um, like I said, I am a member here. I have served on the media team here uh, for six years now. Yeah, um, I talked, uh, well, I don't work in this service. Well, I do work in this service, but I don't work down here. I normally work up in the youth department, so actually it's at this, time, this hour. Um, so if you went up to the youth cafe and got yourself a frappuccino and then popped your head into the, uh, to the service at 9.45, you would see me up there doing lights, sound, uh, computers, anything and everything that has to do with media, I am involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, I also used to teach a life group, uh, the sixth grade life group. That was a lot of fun. And then as far as Youth Sunday goes, I have been a... A life group teacher for the adults for as many for all the years that I've been able to serve so now I've been blessed with the opportunity to preach today um, I'm also an Eagle Scout um, and as an Eagle Scout really as a Boy Scout but as an Eagle Scout I've had all kinds of opportunities to participate in service projects service projects that range from let's see one of the service projects that um, one of my friends did as his ego project was near Shepherd Stadium right out that way for many of us we'd know that there's a concession stand right out there right out that way about four years ago we went and repainted the concession stand that was a lot of fun uh, we've done my troop has done has built screech owl boxes which is basically bird houses for screech owls that was a lot of fun uh, we built uh, shelves for our local church where our church, where our scout troop meets, actually. That was another good one. And then my own Eagle Project, we actually built an outdoor classroom for a lower-income middle school in the area. Uh, that consists of building, putting some railroad ties around the peri- perimeter, and I can speak, perimeter, and uh, putting some mulch down, and then putting some tables down, putting some picnic tables. We had to sand those down and repaint them. And then putting bolting them to the to the ground and then uh, we actually put um, some bushes around there we actually clocked as a troop over 100 hours of service at that service opportunity that was a lot of good work there so your question right about now is probably why is this guy up here telling me about all the things that he has done in service why is he up here telling me you know what he's done with this scout organization well, that's what we're going to talk about today, actually. We're going to talk about service, and specifically, we're going to talk about why. So, if you would, turn with me to Galatians 5. We will start there. Now, you're going to hit First and Second Corinthians, and you're going to hit Galatians. If you hit Ephesians, Philippians, or Colossians, you've gone a little bit too far. <clears throat> 
I'll wait until I stop hearing Paige's turn. All right. You, my brothers and sisters, starting in verse 13, by the way. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so that's it. You're called to serve. But why? Well, my answer is that it helps us bring others to Christ um, because it's very helpful to the, it's very helpful to them. People notice that, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but that's we are called to serve. So why are we called to serve? Well, first, I think we need to define service if we're going to you know say that we are called to do this. We think I think we should know you know what we are called to do specifically. So dictionary.com defines service as an act of helpful activity, help or aid. This is a great definition, except for one word, act. And really, the word before it, too, and act. You see, service, if it's boiled down to one act, then I feel like everyone in this room has done what they were called to do through Christ a long time ago. We can hold the door open for someone, and I'm done, I'm set for life. I don't think that's what... God meant when he said, you know, serve one another humbly in love. Like holding the door for someone, that's, while that's good, I don't think that's the only thing that we should be doing. How about this one? As a Scot, I hear the term, um, do a good turn daily all the time. It's a Scott slogan. And that says, basically, do a good turn daily, that if you use that as a definition, that says do an act of service every day. So that multiplies the other definition by 365 times. A year. The problem is, if it's an act of service every day, you can live the other 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 50 seconds of your life if you just hold the door open for someone selfishly every day. And that's not necessarily what we want. That's not what we're looking for. Because, like I said, if you're not, if you're only, if you're living selfishly for 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 50 seconds, then you're not doing what God called you to do in serving humbly. A third definition, I'm not, I don't really have a definition that I've written out for you guys, but I do have a description of this group of people that I think falls under this definition. And so I'd like to, to go ahead and describe that to you. I'll give you an example of a person that lives this way. My granddad. He's my father's father. I love him to death. On Monday night, his week, where it runs something like this. On Monday night, he goes out and serves his church through visitation. Then he drives up to, he lives in Virginia Beach, he drives up to Sussex, and he farms, we have a little bit of land out there, so he farms right there, he farms in that area, he, that's one of his favorite pastimes, and he comes up on Tuesday night and serves my family dinner. He does not allow any of us to help him cook, by the way, he cooks, it is his night to cook, and he is not letting anybody else get in the way of that. So he, does, he, cooks, for, he cooks for us and serves, serves us dinner, we really appreciate that. Then on Tuesday night, he drives back to his land in Sussex, and about, at about noon on Wednesday, he heads home for a church, to be in home in time for church on Wednesday. Then on Thursday or Friday, almost every week, he talks about how he's going on, a visit, he's going on another visitation to like a hospital or somewhere like that to visit friends in need. And then on Sunday, he teaches a life group class at his church. You see the difference between 
Um, the last definition, just do a good turn daily, or do an act. And this one, it's nonstop. He just continues every day. It's every week. It's every week. This is what he does every week, all the time, every week. I admire that in him because he never stops. You know, I put in this definition, I also put military personnel. You know, they commit their lives to serving us, to serving our country. How about this, church staff? Church staff all in this. You might ask, well, you know, how, do you, how do you consider church staff? Consider this. We have a guy on our church staff. He's a missions pastor. His entire job revolves around how can we serve our community? Not only our community, but our world. That's what he does. His entire job is about that. Or how about this one? This, this one, he would probably argue that his job boils down to a little bit more than this, but if you had to boil it down to a statement, I think his job really boils down to, he basically prays every week, says, God, what can I tell my congregation at church this week that will help them get closer to you and bring others to you? That's his entire job. He's trying to bring you guys closer to Christ. If that's not service, I don't know what it is. We have church, our church staff is absolutely amazing because they devote their entire lives to service. So I hope that helps you a little bit. This real servants are the ones who always serve. I hope that helps you kind of get to that third definition. I hope that helps you understand what I'm talking about in that third definition. So if that is the real definition of service, that's how we're going to use that, the question then becomes why? Why do we serve? Why do we want to serve? Why do we need to serve? Well, my first point is we need to or it looks good. Now, think about that. that, that might, originally, that might not sound quite as good as it is. But the first definition, I say, you know, you need to or it looks good. We actually uh, go with, going with uh, you, it looks good first. How many guys in this room? There's a service opportunity. I'm going to present you a situation. There's a, there's a service opportunity coming up, this, coming up next week. And you know that this cute girl or someone that you like is going to be there and is going to be very impressed with you if you are involved in this service opportunity. Now, raise your hand if you go to please Christ. No one, right? I don't know if it works the same way with girls, but... I know that's how it works with guys because I've done it. I've fallen into that trap. I'm not going to please Christ. That, and that's not, necessarily a great, that's not necessarily the great way like it looks good. But you know it looks good though, right? You know it looks good on you. So in the same way, by virtue of extension, what if 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000, or even the entire church got together and said, hey, you know what? We're going to serve today. And we're going to go out and we're going to plant flowers at, at a school. Or we're going to clean up the boulevard. We're going to clean up trash there. Or we're going to go hand out water bottles at a bicycle race. Doesn't it look good on the church? Now, we're not always thinking that explicitly. But it does look good on the church. That's kind of the point. If we're trying to bring people to Christ, we need to look good because we need to make Christ look good. And so people, when they see this, they go, huh, that church knows, what, knows what's up. That church knows what's going on. They have something. They believe something. What do they believe that I don't? You know, it's funny. I have a 
story. My dad, about 10 years ago, he had surgery on his leg, uh, left him unable to mow the lawn. And I was under the age of eight at the time. So I wasn't at the point where I was uh, mowing the lawn. I'm still not at that point, by the way. Um, yeah, um, he still does that. Um, but he, uh, he was unable to for a time. And he, we had a guy that well, we didn't ask, but he came, we didn't ask him, and he came over after work one day and mowed our lawn. And my mom went crazy over that. She said that was just an awesome service opportunity. That was an awesome act of service that he did. You know, on and on and on and on and on. You know what my dad finally said? He said, huh, that Jesus guy really makes a difference, doesn't he? And he was kind of joking about that. And my mom gave him a disapproving look. And when they tell that story, they tell it a little bit better than I do. And it's much funnier um, to see the conversation. But, they, uh, but the point remains that, Jesus, that people see that and they go, huh. That Jesus guy really makes a difference, doesn't he? Especially if you're not a Christian. That could mean the difference between you being saved and you not being saved. That Jesus guy really makes a difference and people want to know what that difference is. Service is the way to get them there. You know, I was at a leadership conference about three years ago now. Church took about 20 of us down to Orlando, Florida. Uh, it was a beautiful area, beautiful conference. A student Leadership University in it's a Christian conference, like I said, and they bring in all kinds. Of, they brought in all kinds of famous people. They brought in Sean or Josh McDowell. I can't remember which one's the son. That's who they brought in. They brought in the son, and you know, those are the great Christian debaters that you hear about. And um, they also have brought in like the owner of the Orlando Magic. He was awesome. But the guy who left the best, uh, the left the best memory for me, was the vice president of Chick Fil A. And he is the owner of, not the owner, but he is one of the leaders of a huge multi-restaurant chain organization. And he got up there for about an hour and a half and talked about service, talked about how leaders serve. Now, who in this room doesn't want to be a leader? We want to be a leader. We want to lead by serving. Those are the people that other people most remember, Right? So in the same way, we need to serve as a church if we want the church to be a leader in our community. If you want the church to be a cornerstone in this community, if you want the church to be a leader in this community, we have to be servants. Because people will remember, what, how the church, will, will remember how the church served. It's interesting in Matthew 23, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. That's Jesus talking. It applies to individuals as just as much as it does to the church and to organizations next point it helps us to love our neighbor three times throughout the bible that i found we are called to love our neighbor there might be more once would have been sufficient but i think god's really trying to make a point if he says three times love your neighbor as yourself in leviticus uh, 19 i believe is the first time he says it he says Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is when God is talking to Moses. And he's giving him a bunch of laws. And, law, and that's one of the laws he gives him. That's the, original, that's the first time that we see this. Then in Matthew 22, this is when Jesus is asked by his adversaries. They, ask, they come up to him and they say, they're trying to tra- set a trap for him. And they say, what is the greatest law? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second greatest command that Jesus says. And then you see it again. After serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting. Basically, this tells me that there's no law against loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's very true. So you might ask, okay, how do these two relate? What does service have to do with loving your neighbor? I was talking to someone about my sermon uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. He brought up a great point. He said, right attitudes follow right actions. So, if you're serving someone, your attitude towards them becomes better and better and better. If you're invested in someone, then you start to care about them, right? And that's what we're called to do. We're called to love them. So we have to care about them if we're going to love them. It's interesting that Jesus also said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're investing in people, if your treasure is people, your heart's with people. And if your heart's with people, you love them. That's exactly what we are called to do. That's why serving one another humbly in love, that having that right attitude, having that uh, attitude that I'm serving you because I care about you, that's exactly the right attitude to have. That's why that attitude is so important. It helps us to love our neighbor. It helps us to fill this law that we are given three times in the Bible, at least three times. My third and final point. It helps us to be more Christ-like when we serve. I think, while it is the final point, it's definitely not the least, I think it's actually the most important. Because who doesn't want to be like Christ? You all in this church, I mean, the church answer is obviously, yes, we do want to be like Christ. But it should be your answer anytime you're asked that, whether in a church or not. In John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. You hear about that a lot. You hear about that. I hear about that a lot, at least. He talks about how Jesus washed his disciples' feet and how he put himself lower than them and served them and became the servant. I find that extremely interesting. I also find it very interesting that in John 13, it also mentions very clearly that Jesus knew who was going to betray him. And he knew that it was Judas. And he knew that Judas was going to be the one that would betray him unto death. You know, I can't think of a better reason not to serve someone than to say that they're going to, than to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're going to be the one that betrays you to death, that kills you. I just can't. Sometimes we don't want to serve other people just because we don't want to. We might have a good reason, valid or not. But John 13, Jesus' example in John 13, shows us why we have to anyway. Because he knows in that that Judas is going to betray him, yet he still serves him. He still serves him. He still washes his feet. And mind you, Washing someone else's feet, you know, you don't think about that a whole lot in this day and age, but back then, that was like one of the dirtiest jobs you could possibly have because they're not wearing, like, closed-toed shoes. These guys are wearing sandals or barefoot. They're walking around on dirt roads. They're not walking around on sidewalks or asphalt. No, they're walking around on dirt roads every day. So cleaning someone else's feet is, like, the dirtiest job that you can have. That's why it was reserved to the slaves and the servants. I think that's the point that Jesus was making when he did that. 
it required him it required him to put himself below his disciples which he did very often serving others requires us to put others above ourselves put our own pride our own arrogance and our own selves aside and say you matter more than i do at this moment it's about you not me it's interesting in galatians 5 you know, we talked about, we read out of there, out of verse 13 first. But not 10 verses later, the fruits of the Spirit are listed. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I find it very interesting that not nine verses, that nine verses after we are called to serve others, that's when he talks about, that's when Paul talks about, hey, the fruits of the Spirit are this. This is how you know that the Spirit is living in someone. I find that extremely interesting. I find that Paul meant to do that. I think Paul meant to do that because, well, I think Paul is saying that they're connected. And they are connected. Think about it. Service produces each and every one of the fruits of the Spirit in you. Love, we talked about that. Right attitudes follow right actions. Joy. Man, service is hard. I'm just going to tell you straight up. It's, it's hard. That Eagle Scout project that I did, man, that was difficult. Clocking on 100 hours, that's not easy. It's really not. But we got through it. And we looked back on that and we said, man, those picnic tables look really nice. That outdoor classroom looks really, really nice. Same way with any of the other Eagle projects I met. You know, that I talked about. The, the uh, concession stand at Shepherd's Training, man, that, that, that looks nice. We got done with that and we said, man, that looks nice. That fuzzy feeling rising inside you when you, have, when you serve someone or ser- do something big in service, yeah, that's joy. Or seeing someone else's face that you served, that's also joy. Peace. When you serve someone, you're at peace with them. I can't think of, you remember that group of people that I talked about under that third definition of service that we should all be tri- striving for? That group of people that is always serving others nonstop? Yeah. They're at peace with just about everyone. I can't think of a person that my granddad is not at peace with. I can't think of a person that wouldn't like my granddad. Why? Because he's always serving. He never stops. So if you serve someone, you're at peace with them. They can't think of something bad to say about you if you just, like, held the door open for them. They always say thank you. They're never mad at you for holding the door open, right? You're also serving God because you're called to do it. You're called to serve. So you're at peace with God. So you can't be not at peace with God if you're obeying Him. Patience. Like I said, service is hard. But it does produce patience. I mean, it's a lot of work. You don't want, you, sometimes you want to stop. I, tell, I can tell you, I wanted to stop a couple times when I was doing my, service, my Eagle Project. But I didn't. And by the end time I got done, you know, I had that, whew, I'm done feeling. It produced patience in us. I was more patient coming out of that. Because it took a lot of time to do it. Go serve someone. If you want more patience in your life, go serve someone. And tell me if it doesn't produce patience in you. Kindness. Kind of goes hand in hand with love, I think. Because you're kind when you're loving someone. Just kind of that simple. See, every one of them, every one of the fruits of the Spirit are produced by serving people. You can make the argument for every one of them. I think that's a big point. 
You know, like I said, the ultimate goal of any Christian is to bring others to Christ. That's the ultimate goal that we should be having, that we should have. If our goal is to bring others to Christ, then we have to serve others. Why? Because it produces those fruits of the Spirit. You know, if someone else else sees that you have the fruits of the Spirit, they want to know. Especially if they're not a Christian, they want to know, hey, what does that guy have? What does that girl have that I don't have? What is it about that person? That opens the door wide open for for you to either say, hey, come to church with me, see what it's all about. Or even better yet, they might ask you, hey, I want to know who this Jesus guy is. Can you explain it to me? You know, serving other people can make the difference, like I said, between them being saved and them not being saved because they notice the difference that that it makes in your life. They notice that you're serving them. People will remember that. I want each and every one of you to think for a second about a person that you know. Preferably not a Christian. I know it's in church I'm telling you to think about someone that's not a Christian. I know that's amazing. A lot of times you don't hear that a lot. But think of someone that's not a Christian and I want you to think, how am I serving them? If your answer is, I'm serving them this way, I know exactly how I'm serving them in this, this way. That's fantastic, but I would caution you. Please do not get into the habit of serving someone the same way every time. Because while service, all service does count, it starts to mean less and less to you if it comes out of habit, rather than I'm trying to serve them. If you forget the right attitude about it, it starts to mean less. And sometimes it can even mean less to them when you do that. So my, I guess my challenge for you is serve them in a new way this week. Go above and beyond what you think you should be doing. Because they'll notice that. I'm not saying stop what you're doing, but I am saying go above and beyond that. And for those of us that think, I have several people like this, that I think of, you know, I'm not sure how I'm serving them. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. If your answer is that, my challenge to you is get up this week and figure out a way to serve them, practically. Don't, you know, I'm not asking you to be a hero and go beyond extraordinary. But think of a practical way you can serve them this week. Because that may make the difference between them going, between them being saved and going to heaven and not being saved. Let's pray. Dear Dear God, help us to serve one another this week. Help us to serve others this week. Help us to do so humbly in love like you call us to in Galatians 5.13. Help us to have the right attitude about service. Help us to do what you want us to do with that. Give us ideas for those of us that are struggling to come up with those. Give us ideas on, on ways to practically serve others. And Lord, help us to act on them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, hey, what a great morning we've had uh, already today at... At, uh, at this church. Um, and, and thank you for a great message, Brad. Um, give him a round of applause if you could. We have youth serving all over the church today. You're going to see them as ushers, teaching life groups, children's life groups uh, up here on stage. And I can't think of a better message. Uh, if you think about what's going on in the world today, in, in, in the U.S. and in our communities, man, that God has called us to love one another. 
And that if we love people, we serve them, right? Like, like that's what we do. And so maybe a decision that you need to make today is as, uh, with, with a spouse or with your family or with your kids or with mom and dad is ask, how can we serve? What can we do as a family to love our neighborhood, our community, our church? Because God saved us to serve. Or maybe you walked into this church today and, and you got some other things to figure out in life and, and that's your salvation, right? I mean, we have, we have a, a connection desk in the back. If you have questions about your salvation and you're not even sure if you're saved, you're not sure what that looks like, maybe you're dealing with some stuff in life, I mean, we got some folks in the, in the back that would, they would love to serve you and just sit down and talk with you what's going on in your life and encourage you with some Bible verses. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and, and worshiping and opening the Word with us. Uh, we would love to meet you. Uh, if you go to that same connection desk, we got a gift for you. We would love uh, to hand that to you. Uh, or if you have questions about joining the church or baptism, uh, those folks at the table uh, would be able to answer those questions as well.